All right, what's going on, everyone? It's February 15th, 2018, and this is the Daily Bitcoin Recap. A uh, little short note at the beginning here, I will have a sponsor starting next week. Uh, so looks like I'll be able to keep doing this stuff in the newsletter and everything <clears throat> as I continue to like, try to build out my own platforms. Uh, so that's good news. Uh, I will be out of town next week, so the times on everything might be a little weird, but uh, you know I'll still get the show and newsletter out uh, every day for the most part. So today, the top two stories were both uh, revolving around some scams in the Bitcoin space. There was a Ponzi scheme in Austria, uh, apparently scammed people out of $115 million dollars. Uh, there was a group discovered in Ukraine that made $50 million through a Bitcoin phishing scheme uh, through Google AdWords. Uh, the Bitcoin price is back up to over $10,000. I didn't check it uh, right before I started, but I mean, last time I saw it was still over $10,000. See where it looks like we're still over $10,000. Looks like Bitcoin's up a bit more than some of the altcoins like Ethereum and. Ripple and Bcash uh, as the recovery continues. Uh, then I'll talk about a new Steam game uh, that is giving away a Bitcoin to the first person that beats it. It's kind of a cool idea. Uh, there's this local Bitcoins trader who was uh, arrested by the Homeland Security on the 9th of February. So I'll talk about that. Um, the CEO of Binance talked about how he thinks uh, Tether is backed one-to-one. So I might just play the clip uh, of that that I found on Reddit. Um, and maybe some other stories too. There's actually a lot of uh, stuff to get to today. So I'll just start getting into this Austria uh, Ponzi scheme story now. Um, all right. So this is from Bloomberg. Um, and Interpol, basically European authorities are searching across the whole continent to uh, find those who scammed these Austrian investors. Um, Bloomberg says Austrian authorities are asking Interpol to help track down suspects in an alleged Bitcoin scam that blew up last year and may have hit at least hundreds, maybe thousands of investors in the country and abroad. Uh, the scam worked similarly to other scams I've uh, see, you know, seen in the space, especially at this scale. Uh, there was one I reported on last year out of India called Gain Bitcoin, where it was supposedly a cloud mining scheme, and they're offering. I'm trying to remember what they're. I think it was something like 10% per month. Uh, so I think this, uh, the gains that they they were supposedly offering their customers in this scam were even greater. Um, they're supposedly giving their clients 4% returns per week. So compounded, um, I didn't do the math, but that's just a ridiculous rate that couldn't be true at all. And we've seen a lot of scams like these over the years. Uh, maybe the most infamous one was uh, Bitcoin Savings and Trust, which operated on the Bitcoin talk forums back in the day, probably 2012, I want to say, 2011, 2012. Um, Basically, he was uh, saying he was doing like arbitrage and 
trading bitcoins locally somewhere that didn't have access to bitcoin uh he might actually it might actually turn into like a ponzi scheme by accident that's the gist we got from the uh he did an interview on bitcoin and censored last year which you should check out that uh, was really interesting uh but yeah, prosecutors, this is from Bloomberg again, prosecutors in Vienna are consolidating hundreds of complaints about a scheme known as Optiomint that had been filed at police stations across the country in addition to files submitted by financial watchdog FMA. Spokeswoman Christina Ratz said by telephone. Die Presse, I guess it's an Austrian newspaper, earlier reported that the total number of victims could exceed $10,000 and that as many as 12,000 Bitcoins, which is worth $115 million today, may have been lost. Uh, so obviously, if this scam was going on for a while, maybe the schemers, uh, you know, got the Bitcoin from their victims before the prices, you know, at the 10,000 mark that it's at today. Um, so they have identified a few people, but no arrests have been made. I guess that's why they're doing this uh, European manhunt. Um Here's some more information about the scheme from Bloomberg. Three Austrians who called themselves the Three Musketeers promoted the product at the events in Austria and in Germany, according to Frankel. It's uh, some source. Looks like it's the law firm that's uh, uh, representing the people who are scammed. Um, you know, I mentioned Game Bitcoin before, and their scheme worked the same kind of way. I don't know if uh, this is how these guys operated, but basically, Game Bitcoin. Um, they would do these like Bitcoin seminars and then, but they would be like pitching game Bitcoin instead of just Bitcoin and game Bitcoin was like a Ponzi scheme. Uh, so they were trying to get people in their Ponzi scheme and kind of using like Bitcoin as kind of a way to open the door in these in-person seminars. Uh, I think this is how they operated as well. I think I remember reading that. Let me look here real quick. Um, Operators of the scheme told investors it was a private Costa Rica-based Bitcoin fund uh, that promised outsized returns through arbitrage trading. So it literally is the same, uh, you know, that's the same sales pitch that the Bitcoin savings and trust guy, uh, Pirate at 40, was making on the Bitcoin talk forums. It's kind of funny to see like the same exact scams pop up in Bitcoin over and over again, just because you always have these new people entering the space at all times. So obviously if you don't know about the history of all the Bitcoin scams, um, you're more receptive, you're easier to fool. Uh, you'll see you, like in this case, you want to make 4% a week and you know, the money, the greed gets better, the better of you and you, you know, end up getting scammed. Uh, but obviously people who have been around in Bitcoin for a while. They kind of get immune to it uh, over Eventually, like everyone in Bitcoin uh, has to get scammed. Eventually, it's kind of like a rite of passage. And you kind of like, you know, take your knocks and learn from it and move on. Um, I definitely was scammed, you know, back in the Bitcoin talk uh, days when I was on there. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's all in the past now. Um, so, yeah, clients started to contact this law firm after redemptions lapsed in late November. So it looks like that's when the Ponzi scheme fell apart. Um, most of the affected investors are, in Aust are Austrian, while others are from Germany, Poland, Romania. So it looks like they're all over Europe. Um, 
So yeah, this kind of stuff definitely happens in the Bitcoin space. And obviously it's harder to track these guys down because, you know, uh, they're using Bitcoin. They're not, there's not like a bank account where they can just seize the money. Um, I wonder if this, I just kind of had an like, interesting thought because I've, th- I've talked about how like ransomware is actually incentivizing people to make their computers more secure. Uh, because if your computer is not secure, you can get ransomware and might have to pay thousands of dollars um, to get your files back if they're that important. So it's kind of incentivizing people to be more proactive about their security, computer security. I wonder if you know you could say the same concept uh, applies to this kind of stuff, where all these scams and the way Bitcoin works kind of makes people, you know, less susceptible to scams in the first place. Um, it's kind of like a main mantra of the Bitcoin community and libertarians, where um, they they they'd like to see like no regulation at all, and they would just like pe- to see people, you know learn from their mistakes, basically. Uh, let me make a note. That might be an interesting topic to explore. Um, for an article. Ransomware computers more secure. Same with scams. Sorry, I just have to always write down ideas when I get them. Otherwise, you lose them. All right, I guess uh, nothing really else to add there, so I'll move on to this other scam. It's a phishing scheme. A lot of people have probably seen, like, in uh, when you do Google searches, there's 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 ads at the top um, that show up, like, before uh, the actual Google searches show up. So what these guys do, it's a pretty popular scam or phishing attempt where you basically buy the ad space, you, you'd buy like a variation of blockchain.com. Um, so maybe like you use a capital I instead of, you know, the lowercase L in blockchain or something like that. So it looks like blockchain.com. Uh, and then pe- when people go to search to log onto their, cause a lot of people just search for websites instead of typing in blockchain.com. I even do this a lot too, where you'll search for whatever the, website is instead of memorizing the uh, domain name. So people will search for blockchain wallet and, you know, the sponsored scam site will basically show up first. So you click their ad and it actually takes you to a hacker's homepage instead of uh, blockchain.com. And it looks exactly like the blockchain website. You type in your info and then bam, all your Bitcoin's gone and given to the hacker. So there, this is a report about, uh, one Ukrainian cyber crime operation has apparently made $50 million uh, through this very simple scam. Uh, it looks like the report um, came from Cisco's security division. Uh, they were the ones that found it, I think, with our Ukrainian authorities. Yeah, Ukrainian cyber police. Uh, so they shut down their servers for now, but obviously they can come back at any time and they haven't been caught. So as is the nature with... Uh, uh, Cybercrime. So yeah, they have a picture here of an example where it's like different spellings of blockchain.info. There's even one where it's block-claim.info. Uh, um, as long as it looks somewhat similar, it doesn't matter because a lot of people, they'll just click it. They don't really look at it that hard. And it, 
you know, Google does put a little indicator that it's an ad next to it, but perhaps they could make that, um, you know, more prominent, especially when it comes to cryptocurrency advertisements where if you're brought to a phishing site, then, you know, um, your money's gone. There's no recourse at all. Uh, let's see what else they say here. In one campaign that took place from September to December 2017, the group made around $10 million. While in another campaign that lasted a few weeks, the group made another $2 million. Wow. $2 million, not bad for a couple weeks of work. Um, oh, this is interesting. They actually target mostly Bitcoin owners in Africa. Uh, so this is a quote from the report from Cisco. It says, this threat actor appears to be standing up phishing pages to target potential victims, African countries, and other developing nations. I think that's missing a word there, but potential victims in African countries and other developing nations where banking can be more difficult and local currencies much more unstable compared to the digital asset. Additionally, attackers have taken notice that they're that targeting users in countries whose first language is not English make for potentially easier targets. That's just, so they're doing like uh, Google AdWords optimization for their phishing uh, campaign. That's kind of interesting. But yeah, you, you gotta if you're new to Bitcoin, you gotta look out for this kind of stuff: the Ponzi scheme, the phishing uh, stuff. There's a lot of ways things can go wrong. Uh, in terms of avoiding this kind of attack, it's always best to just bookmark the website. So for this, it would be bookmarkblockchain.com, and then don't do the uh, searching for the website every time you want to use it. But yeah, millions of dollars being made from these uh, scams. Very much a booming industry. Obviously, you know, ransomware is uh, the annual you know value of that market is now in the billions of dollars. Uh, as I mentioned, the uh, Bitcoin price did go over ten thousand dollars. I put a uh, report from, or a, you know, just an article from Bloomberg, Bloomberg in the newsletter regarding that. I don't think there's really anything to add. I'm not sure, you know, what. It seems like market sentiment is moving in the other direction now. I'm not sure what turned it. Um, I guess people just the price kept going down, and eventually people decided it was time to buy, and. Now we're going back in the other direction. Uh, that's as, pretty much as deep as my uh, you know, price analysis goes. If you want that kind of stuff, you should watch uh, Tone Vase instead of me. Uh, let's see what, what else we got here. Oh, yeah, the Steam game. Uh, so there's this new game uh, being launched on Steam where someone can win uh, one Bitcoin, a full Bitcoin, if, they, if they're the first person to beat the game. So I imagine it's a very uh, difficult game to beat. It's like a puzzle game. I imagine it involves uh, cryptography or something like that. This uh, here's a this is from uh, Motherboard, by the way, Vice Motherboard. Um, here's like their basic description. Uh, it says a Bitcoin is the prize for solving these 24 puzzles. Players can solve them on their own or with other players. Players can leave hints behind for others or confuse them with red herrings that lead them down dead ends. After all, only one person can win the Bitcoin in the end. So the game only costs two bucks. So I guess they'd have to sell like, I guess if they send 10,000 10, of these, they like double their money. 
but I mean, obviously there's a lot more uh, costs that go into this game other than, you know, the Bitcoin prize. It is kind of like, it's, it's kind of a cool idea because they're basically incentivizing people to buy the game. It's kind of like a gamble, basically. You know, you're, they're selling that chance that you'll be able to find this like $10,000 treasure. And that is kind of a cool thing about Bitcoin. I think I've talked about this in terms of like Minecraft. There's like a Minecraft uh, Bitcoin server where you can like find, you can like mine for Bitcoin like in the ground. And like cool thing about like using Bitcoin as a prize in games is that it's a digital asset. So like when you find it in the digital world, you like have it and you know, that's it. It's not like, it's not like, like a prize, like you win a tournament and you know, they send you a check in the mail weeks later. It's just kind of cooler that you dig up the treasure kind of, uh, looks like they have a trailer here. I'll go ahead and play this. In the heart of Monte Crypto, folded into labyrinthine veins, the walls draw in breath of frustrated cries. The treasure lures the brave to the light. The wise and numbers, the overconfident alone, many tour the maze. Only one may claim the prize. Monte Crypto, the Bitcoin enigma. Yeah, this actually looks pretty cool. This is probably the coolest, uh, you know, cross I've seen between Bitcoin and gaming. Uh, people always talk about how there's like some synergy there, but uh, this is one of the first times I've seen it in action. I might actually try to play this game. I don't really do much. I don't really play many games anymore. I play like FIFA on Xbox sometimes, uh, and that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll get some friends together and see if we can figure out the puzzle. But yeah, it looks pretty cool. All right, let's see what else. I'm doing on time, 18 minutes. Data Courier says plot twist, they send you one Bcash instead of Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I'll talk about this guy on Twitter who said he was arrested for doing trades on local Bitcoins. Uh, it's Morgan Rockwell on Twitter. He says on Friday, February 9th, I was arrested in my home by Department of Homeland Security over a Bitcoin transaction from November 2016 and am, and am released under a personal recognizance bond. I don't know what that is. I'm being charged with money laundering instrument. So, yeah, if you're doing, I think, uh, you know, I haven't looked into the details of this, but I'm assuming, um, you know, uh, he is like a local Bitcoins trader doing a lot of volume and the government's coming after him because he's not doing KYC AML, basically. Um, I'm not sure if that's exactly what's going on here, but, you know, I'm sure we'll see. I know someone's working on a story uh, related to this, so, you know, I'll just wait for them to do that instead of like trying to write my own story on it since I already started. Um, but yeah, if you're, you know, if you're doing a lot of volume, whether it's through and you're, you know, making a living kind of through your Bitcoin trading, the government might come after you because at that point, like at a certain point, you become like a Coinbase where they want to track everything that you're doing because they don't want people 
moving between dollars and Bitcoin uh, without, you know, knowing who they are. They want to be able to track everything, obviously, which is the whole point of Bitcoin in the first place, kind of. Um, so, yeah, just something to think about if you're one of these like over the counter traders who's doing a lot of volume. Um, de- this is definitely something that's being cracked down on. I've heard a lot of stories about this. Um, so you should be careful if you're doing a lot of OTC volume. Um, let's see. Is there anything else I want to cover here? I think I'll cover this tether thing and then I'll get to questions. So you have, if you have questions, go ahead and uh, put them in the chat. Looks like the chat is kind of going along there. So I'll have to scroll up to see what's happening. Uh, so yeah, this is the CEO of Binance, one of the largest exchanges in the world. Um, uh, and he was interviewed on, let me pull this up on YouTube just so I can make sure to shout out whoever's uh, YouTube channel this is. Um, it's crypto something. Sorry, it's taking a second to load here. The crypto lark is what it's called. Um, yeah, let me actually go back to Reddit because it had a timestamp for when he started talking about Tether. Basically, he talks about, uh, you know, he works with the big FedEx guys and he knows people that have seen Tether's bank account balances. Uh, so I'll just play that part of the clip right here. And there are positive things. So, and the FUD is usually more, usually more overreactive. Um, I did meet with a key guy from Bitfinex in person a few days, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and we did talk about this issue. And there was a couple of other guys who I trust to a pretty high degree. They said they have looked at the accounts. I personally have not looked at the bank accounts for uh, USD Tether. Uh, the other two guys, um, and one of them is another exchange head, it's a separate exchange, uh, said they looked at the bank account and the money is there. So that's what they say. I don't know. Um, so, but. Uh, I'm actually much more worried about the banking relationship than the actual funds. Um, because even if you have the funds there, if the bank doesn't allow you to move money, then mm-hmm. you're still stuck. So, um, yeah, but either way. Uh, yeah, so I'll cut him off right there and maybe play some more. I just wanted to point out, he said that one of the pr- people that did, uh, you know, check into the bank accounts is a, the head of another exchange, although he didn't name who it was. Uh, we did see that exchange in South Korea you know, guarantee the one-to-one peg for their customers. So if like Tether goes out of business or something, all of their uh, customers who are trading or holding USD Tether at the time that that happens, they'll be reimbursed. Um, Obviously that's, you know, guarantee in word only. Uh, They could go back on that or or something. Uh, But in terms of, you know, this kind of goes to a point I made a couple of weeks ago, I think where I think a lot of these corporate customers of, of Tether are, exchanges. Um, and I think in terms of who, sh- who we should be asking uh, about, you know, Tether's balances outside of obviously a, an open audit, which should happen, um, the exchanges would be the ones to know because they're, you know, they, they're letting their customers trade USD Tether um, on their uh, platforms. Uh, but I'll see if there's, he says anything else interesting here. We are fully supportive of uh, what um, other uh, people are doing. So uh, we support Tether our exchange, and given that we already support it, 
Uh, we want to help them ease any problem, or fix any problem they, they encounter. Uh, we want to help ensure that uh, they're, they're um, the guys I met. Uh, Bitfinex is a long running exchange. They have been hacked. They came back. They recover. They they came back from the dead. They recover. Uh, so they have proven their credibility. I think they're pretty. I, I think they're pretty strong. Um, so. My general feeling, I, I don't have any concrete evidence or I don't have any concrete uh, sub, uh, stuff that I can say, but my feeling is there's more FUD on Tether than anything else. There is that. That's That kind of sums up how I think about it too. Um, and I'll just leave it there. Uh, so yeah, check out this guy's YouTube channel, The Crypto Lark, uh, since that's where that was taken from. And I found it on Reddit. All right, I'll go in the chat now and see... If there is any, looks like there's a lot of stuff going on in the chat. I'll try to get through all of it. Um, Anne Holloman says, Peter Todd retweeted Vitalik Buterin. Meanwhile, looks like this is a copy paste of a tweet. Meanwhile, an EIP editor just resigned because they worried about the legal consequences of approving ETH bailouts. Yeah, I included that uh, article in the newsletter. Basically, some guy who um, works on... The, in the repository for Ethereum improvement proposals, uh, resigned because he started thinking about the legal liabilities. He might be putting, you know, he might be putting himself in legal trouble by like approving changes to Ethereum that bail people out, uh, which is a you know credible issue, especially when you think about you know, I mean, taking into account everything we've seen from regulators and knowledgeable lawyers on the subject, it seems that. Ether was obviously a security, um, you know, when it was launched, um, you know, people who were holding Ether tokens in the early days were relying on Vitalik and the Ethereum Foundation to actually, you know, build the platform and, you know, continue to work on it over time. And the reason that they bought the Ether tokens early on is because they expected profits on it over the long term, which obviously they've seen. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of weird legal uh, stuff that might go on with Ethereum because it's so centralized and it's trying to be, it's trying to act like it's decentralized, but it's, it's not. Um, but I, you know, I don't think the SEC is going to like crack down on Ethereum or anything. I think they'll probably take the same approach they took with the DAO when they use them as like a case study for ICOs and they'll just kind of like give them or let them get away with it because there wasn't a clear regulation at the time. Uh, See what else? Data Courier asks, what do you think about the ETH bailout? Looks like shady to me to form some sort of government on ETH. It's not going to end well. Yeah, I guess I kind of just covered that a little bit. Um, anything like that should be avoided uh, in, a, in a blockchain. Like you shouldn't. Uh, I think a lot. Uh, this is another point I'll make. Um, if you had better privacy on Blockchains, I think a lot of this stuff would be harder to do um, because, well, in terms of like rollbacks, it'd be harder. But I guess I'd have to think about it more in terms of like people losing money. Uh, but basically, in general, better privacy on chain would make it more difficult to do things retroactively because it'd be hard to prove, you know, who owns which accounts, that kind of stuff. Uh, be hard to track um, coins on the blockchain. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my thoughts on it. 
In case Torby doesn't talk about it, anyone who has used Coinbase should check their bank statements for unauthorized transactions. Yeah, I included that in the newsletter too. I just didn't get to it. Um, but yeah, Kyle Gibson pointed that out. So definitely uh, check your bank statements if you're a Coinbase customer. Apparently they had like uh, people were getting were like buying Bitcoin, but then getting charged 17 times over for it. Uh, so yeah, big problem for them today. I'm sure they'll sort it out and reimburse everyone. I wouldn't be too worried about it, except for, you know, the the time value of money, I guess you might lose out on your money uh, for a little while, but uh, I imagine you'll be in re reimbursed uh, eventually. And yeah, Kyle Gibson points out that some people have had their bank accounts drained. I did see some guy, I think he lost like $17,000 from his bank account or something. Uh, he says people have been claiming not be able to pay rent because of it. Yeah, that's pretty awful. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do about that. It seems like they've been having a lot of bugs lately. They had that thing where Overstock was accepting Bcash payments, or they were taking Bitcoin payments, but people were sending them Bcash, and they were you know, thinking they were Bitcoin, so people were able to get like huge discounts on goods at Overstock because obviously Bcash is worth a lot less than Bitcoin. Uh, so it was like some error in Coinbase, Coinbase's uh, merchant uh, service thing. And obviously I talked about yesterday, they had that blog post where um, they were like trying to make it, they were telling their customers how they're going to make it more clear when they're using Bitcoin Cash and when they're using Bitcoin. And they messed up, uh, you know, they mixed up the two in the very blog post, which kind of goes to show how, you know, there's just, just too... Um, confusing having two or more coins with Bitcoin in the name. Uh, I do like calling Bitcoin Cash, Bitcash. I need to remember to use that phrasing from now on. I kind of tried to start that trend in the fall and it never caught on, but I've seen some people starting to use it now. So take another crack at that, I guess. Uh, Christian says some guy on Reddit um, got charged $67,000 50 times what he originally ordered. <laughs> So yeah, definitely check your bank account if you've bought Bitcoin on Coinbase or any, I guess any coin on Coinbase recently. But yeah, it's a pretty horrible bug to have uh, happen. Uh, yeah, Kyle Gibson makes a good point. 50x would make should be stopped by the bank probably. Uh, but I'm not really sure how the technicals of that work. Eric Barger asks if Bitcoin will not go to zero, what is the limit BTC? Or reach by June. Um, I have again. If you want uh, price predictions, I'd say go to Tone Vase. Um, I'm not really. I mean, it seems like we've hit a bottom here over the short term, at least. You know, sentiment has turned around. Uh, but you know, we'll have to see. Um, I will say, you know, five to ten years, I think we'll be higher than we are today, and that's kind of my. General thought on price analysis. <laughs> Christian says, if anyone knew the price, they wouldn't tell you. That's a good point. Um, let's see, a lot of price talk here. Eric Barger asks, you know, it seems like there's a lot of problems going on with Ethereum. Um, I think that's mainly to do with you know the 
large attack surface created by a Turing complete scripting language. Um, it's really hard to make secure smart contracts. Um, and now like they're, they're also trying to do like everything. So their blockchain is going to get very clogged. Uh, see, you're talking about speed of transactions there. So that's what that has to do with, you know, if crypto kitties can clog up their blockchain, what happens when there's like two or three dApps that people are actually using? Um, so I think, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Ethereum is a very easy sell to newcomers to the space because all they have to say is, you know, it's like Bitcoin, but better. And then, you know, people don't really research to see if that's actually true or why Bitcoin is, you know, more limited in what you can do with it. Uh, it's for security reasons. Uh, so I think, um, you know, a lot of the money in Ethereum is just people thinking Ethereum is going to take over Bitcoin. Um, so they're just holding it for that reason. I'm not sure, really sure what, other, what the other sales pitch of Ethereum would be. All right, looks like I'm getting over uh, 30 minutes, so I might end this here. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll end this here. Uh, thanks for watching, guys. If you like the show, make sure to like the episode on YouTube and SoundCloud and subscribe on YouTube and SoundCloud. Uh, and if you subscribe on YouTube, make sure to hit the bell next to the subscribe button so you get a notification whenever I have a new video or when I go live. And you can get my Twitter newsletter and all that good stuff at kyletorby.com. And thank you for watching. I'll be back tomorrow. Take care until then.